Hi again, everybody. Tom Oglesby in the studio with Colleen Pasnick. This is The Chatter. It's episode number 39 on Easter Monday, the 18th of February in the year of our Lord. Let me get this right. 2022. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, Almost gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy Easter. He is risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is risen here. Easter Monday. Boy, that Lent was... It, it started to accelerate about halfway through, but it was brutal. How was yours? You know? I mean, mine was brutal. Was it brutal? Yeah. Did you give up give up a lot or decide to do a lot or both? Uh, you know, I try, I try to fast, although I tried to do that outside of, uh, you wouldn't know it looking at me, but uh, I tried to do it outside of Lent, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Just not eating between meals is... Uh, that's you know. tough. Well, I mean, it, it sounds like nothing, but it's hard. Well, when you've got a commissary here in the studio, it's tough not to walk by here and go, oh, wh- right? what was that here? Or like Bill says, he only eats one meal a day. It starts when he gets up and it ends when he goes to yeah, bed. the it's, seafood diet. Right. It's really hard to not eat between meals, and it sounds so wimpy, especially when you read about some of the things that the saints did for fasting. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm so far away from that. So I stole an idea uh, from several uh, people. But from uh, Catherine, Catherine O'Brien over on Quo Vadis, she does that promo and she talks about praying to God to, um, and this is, this is brutal, see your soul as God sees your soul, or to uh, ask for what imperfections you would like to do. Or, and, and I don't mean to get into the seal of the confessional here, but if you're going frequently, I think most of us, are not committing mortal sins, but we're committing uh, venial sins, which are uh, virtues, vices, more vices. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when when you are given those moments of saying, this is your weakness, this is your vice, this is what God sees you to do that here, that's painful. It's brutal. It hurts. Yeah. It hurts. And yet, at the same time, you want to know what it is, right? Well, it hurts on a couple. One, it hurts your ego, your pride. You don't want, you know, I'm, I'm perfect. You know, I'm, we, well, I know I'm not perfect. But the, the, once you get to the aspect that this is that vice that I need to root out, that's the difficult work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one thing to get over the embarrassment or the pride or whatever that is, but trying to stop it. Mm. It's brutal. It's brutal. I guess that's why it takes a lifetime, some of these, to root the, that sin out and that vice out. Well, that was the other thing that came up, is, is just the thoughts of the many people who... Um, Lent, to me, is a, uh, it's a, it's a purgatorial time. It's a time of purgation. And so I think it's great, all, any and all times, especially in the month of November, but all the time, and in Advent and Lent, which are... Our penitential season to pray for the dead. Mm. 
And that thought you just had here that, uh, struck me. Well, God gives us a lifetime. And I was thinking of the number of people that I grew up in the neighborhood as a child, schoolmates and classmates that have died, mm. that didn't have the uh, blessing or the curse of a long life to be able to do that here. Mm. Of course, then that came into here. We're just days away from the triduum here. Um, and I, d I had it in the other room. I should have brought it in here. But the whole concept of Christ descending into hell, otherwise known as the harrowing of hell. Yes, the harrowing of hell. Now, that reminds me, last episode we talked about Mel Gibson's new movie, The Resurrection, which isn't out yet, but he's working on it. And we had said how we saw some trailers, and apparently those were fake trailers. Nothing's true anymore. I know. But the reason that Harrowing of Hell made me think of that is because supposedly what the movie will truly be about is part Harrowing of Hell will be part of that movie. I think based on maybe the um, revelations of Anne Catherine Emmerich. Um, mm -hmm. But Harrowing of Hell, I think that would be great to see in a movie. I, I would like to know more about that. So we have, um, we have chatter sensors, you know. We do. You saw the Thank email goodness. over the weekend? I did. Thank goodness. We have good sensors. So this came in <laughs> Saturday at 5 five o'clock, 5 o'clock hour, 5 p.m. from our uh, chatter sensors. Listening to the chatter earlier today, the previews on the passion of the resurrection are not official. They were all fan-made and so do not contain scenes from the actual film. They're a mis mishmash of parts of different evangelical end-time movies. So whatever we, b we wouldn't had by seeing whatever we saw. Gibson's part of the film will include the harrowing of hell, just as you just mm -hmm. referred to, where Jesus freed the souls who had died before the sacrifice of the uh, cross. The bosom of Abraham is another word for it, to bring them into heaven. There are no true... true um, previews we they're listening and they are on every word and i love it about. when they correct us because i was watching those trailers i'm like oh in a way i was disappointed because it was kind of you know the um fireproof left behind all that kind of god's not dead and i thought oh i kind of expected something different from mel well then after we heard that here i heard uh, raymond arroyo interview him along with the director and uh, uh I guess it's Father Stu's movie, hmm. and they gave a review of that. We should talk about that in a minute, but they, they pivoted and talked about Gibson's movie coming out, and um, evidently he's got two different scripts, and he hasn't shot anything yet. So Oh, so oh okay. That would confirm what our yeah. Aquinas censor has said. Right, uh, there, uh, are there, no there, there are no trailers. They haven't shot anything yet. But let's pivot. Uh, Father Stu, have you heard, haven't, seen, gone? I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? No. Uh, and I think you can buy it on um, and view it in your home. Oh, uh, like on Netflix or something? Yeah, not Netflix here. I've jettisoned them. But um, I think on the Roku box, there's a couple of channels, and I think it's a 15 or $20 movie to rent it here. And hmm. I don't know if I want to go. I, I'd like to see it, but... I have heard from several sources that it's rather raw. With language? Yes. Yeah. Uh, which, evidently, if you follow the storyline, he was a boxer and and addict of sorts or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't want to give it away, uh, but uh, evidently it's 
pretty earthy. Now, someone did see it, and they told me that there was a lot of bad language, but they also said they read the um, article. Someone, maybe Catholic News Agency, interviewed mm -hmm, the family members, mm -hmm. and apparently the movie portrays um, the family of Father Stu, nothing at all like the article says they were. Like, I think Mel Gibson's his dad in the movie. Correct. Maybe? And um, according to the article, the sister said, our dad was nothing like that. So... You kind of wonder, you know, is it poetic license? Is it, you know, just dramatizing for the audience? Mm -hmm. You kind of wonder. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I'll see it or not. I'm not a big movie goer. No, I haven't been to the theater in a lot. And um, I guess I was interested enough to go, but I'm not sure I want to sit through uh, two hours of uh, profanity. I, yeah, I don't at this point in my life. So. And I, but I would wait for the resurrection. Mel yeah, I would like to see that. I would like to see that. You know, we, when it comes, we should have a KCRD showing. I think we can. Oddly enough, a number of these. Uh, what was the show we uh, we had a movie showing four years ago? Oh my goodness, it was at the um, uh, Phoenix. The, yeah, it was Phoenix over at the Phoenix. Theater. I'm trying to remember. Uh, was it something about Paul? Mm, I'm trying to remember. Oh, oh was it about? Mm, I can't remember. Anyway. The uh, Fatima? No. Was it Fatima? I can't remember. Anyway, the uh, the studios that host those are back in contact with us after all of the uh, shenanigans of the mm -hmm. past few years, and there's some great movies that we can uh, premiere bring to Dubuque. That would be a nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. Little fellowship. Well, people like to get out and talk and see one another and yeah. do Catholic kinds of things. Yeah popcorn speaking of getting out colleen are you got your tickets I friday do. april 29th it's the life dinner got a table of 10 going do you really mm -hmm. you know the not it's a nice thing to invite people to because first of all it's free right sure. so you don't have to pay a whole lot up front but of course they will ask for money during the night uh, and we should be generous they are the best pro-life uh organization in the whole state but i'm very interested in hearing this speaker Anthony Lavatino. Yeah. After four weeks, I've got it down. Former abortionist Anthony Lavatino, he's a doctor, shares his unique perspective about why a physician who has been trained to give life would take it away. Yeah. It's going to be a good show. It'll be a great talk. And they usually have, I don't know, 500 people there. It'll be a pretty big I've deal. I've seen more than that. I've seen six or seven down there. There, yes. That's some years ago. Uh, yes. So I'm not sure how how COVID might impact it, but you know. I think people are over it. I hope people are over COVID and starting to go back to stuff. Friday, April 29th. It starts at five at the Grand River Center. It's Dubuque County Right to Life. You say they're the best in the state. I've heard people across the country give accolades to Dubuque County. Well, you know, it's quite the organization. So if people want to go, they should call five six three. Five five six five nine six zero, and get your name in because this is going to air on the twenty third and twenty fourth, uh, the weekend. Right. Um, I'm not sure when the last day they need to tell the Grand River Center uh, count for meals, but call in Monday, the twenty fifth. Yeah, where'd the cat? Yeah, I had it right here. There, I did oh, see I just covered count. it oh. up. Right, so we're recording on the 18th. We'll air the 23rd and 24th, and uh, it'll be uh, the last Friday of the month, the 29th. So 
you got seven to ten days coming up here to do that. Yeah. Speaking of airing here, I've uh, contacted the uh, the programmers here at KCRD for a third airing of the uh, chatter and Quo Vadis. So I haven't heard any feedback on it, but I've proposed that in addition to Saturday at, are we on at 1 o'clock? Saturday, 1 o'clock, Sunday at 6 o'clock. At 6 o'clock, to then air the following Friday at noon. Oh, okay. Which is typically when you hear Dr. Ray Garendi, but Mm -hmm. he usually does a Friday encore kind of presentation. Good spot. So are you thinking of uh, every Friday it would either be the Chatter or Quo Vadis? No, Quo Vadis to follow immediately then at 1 o'clock with uh, replacing Call to Communion. That does the same thing, uh, an encore show on Friday. Very nice. So that would be a different audience. Maybe that's listening. We'll see what kind of influence we have. Noon on a Friday. Right. Well, we've had a lot of uh, requests here. So, And then in addition, it's on the... uh, newly revamped website that the uh, webmasters are doing so well. Did you see any of the uh, you know, updates to what's, you know, some new colors and some new I, uh, items going I did. on here? KCRD-FM.org, where you can see the new blogs, the new podcasts, the new recordings, mm-hmm. some more information on our... our uh, Three dioceses, Madison, Rockford, and the Archdiocese of Dubuque. More information here for uh, all of our listeners and readers. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. You know, we're right here at the tri-state area. Just as many people in East Dubuque listen and Keeler as listen in the Archdiocese of Dubuque. So I think it's great that we're covering all three mm-hmm. dioceses. You got some more headlines? I do have some more headlines. We got about, what, uh, four minutes before the break? Yeah. Who's counting? But who's counting? So we'll we'll start and we'll see how far we get into. I do have a local headline, so what you got? I thought I would start with the local headline. So um, I don't know if anybody follows what the Archbishop gives us for messages every now and then. He comes out with a message. Mm-hmm. He came out with one on Easter. That's it. Happy Easter. So that was nice, right? Good sure. timing. Happy Easter. Um, and he's mentioning the um, survey. Apparently, over 16,000 people returned the survey. That just seemed like a big number. I was surprised by that number. Hmm. Well, you got the whole Northeast quadrant. Which, how many many Catholics are in the Archdiocese? Like 200,000? I think that's the number. That's that's about what I've heard, yeah. Not that many. So so 20,000 would be 10%. Right, so this is... Just under that, maybe. And 18%. maybe it's not 200,000 anymore. I might be having an old number. So let's say roughly 10% responded. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty good. I think when you send surveys out, I think your usual return rate is 3 to 5%. Right. So I think that's that's a good turnout. doesn't say, of course, I'm sure they're going through it. That's a lot of surveys to go through. Um, so I wonder, you know, when we'll hear. They had initially said in the spring. So uh, maybe we'll hear by Pentecost. Right. Well, they'd give them 50 days. Yeah. 50 more days. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so I just thought maybe we would mention that he had said, you know, Happy Easter, and um, they've gotten over 16,000 responses to the survey on parish vitality. Mm-hmm. And um, he repeats uh, 
and this is verbatim, contrary to what some people fear, there is no plan or even desire to close parishes. In fact, it's hoped that no parish that is a parish in the true sense of the word will close. Right. That's that's the quantitative statement there, in the true sense of the word, isn't it? That's here? the key phrase, that's, that's, in the true yeah. sense of the word, because his next paragraph it says, but if our only concern is for a convenient place to fulfill the Sunday obligation or to preserve the church because it's pretty or because our ancestors helped build it, well, call it what you will, but it isn't a parish really. Mm-hmm. And as a consequence, the people in that place may have made the decision to close the parish. That's pretty strong. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, I don't want to call it manipulative, but it's, uh, you know, when you say the the people have in that place may have made the decision to close the parish here. Uh, I, I, that's not the first time that language has been used. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, the message is pretty uh, straight on here. Catholics need to step up mm-hmm. and be Catholic. Mm-hmm. And if you're only going to church, uh, as a matter of fact, the, the next newsletter, we're working on the May-June issue here, and I don't think we'll do it here, but uh, in the July-August issue, we're going to talk about... Uh, some of the same things we've mentioned here on the chatter, and we're, we'll have to get to it on the other side. We're bumping up on uh, on the first break, Colleen. We need to talk more about what it means to be Catholic, mm. what the Good. obligations are. Good. And, um, and I don't think Archbishop is uh, far off. Uh, we, could, we could talk about the uh, choice of words, but uh, let's take a break here. It's chatter. Episode, what did I say, 39 here? Mm -hmm. We're just shy of 40. It's Easter Monday, the 18th of April, and we'll be right back after these announcements. You're listening to the Chatter. You're in the Chatterbox with Colleen and I. And it's uh, Easter Monday, episode 39. It's uh, April 18th. We'll... uh, we'll, we'll, uh, be airing on Divine Mercy Sunday weekend here. We Hit that up here. Uh, what are you doing for that here? I'm putting you on the spot. You are, because I'm out of town. Oh. So. Do you get a demit? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I hope to be back in time to participate. I'm assuming Nativity is going to have something at 3 o'clock, just because they have in the past. Yeah, 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon, which is April right here. 24th. April 24th. At 3 o'clock, there'll be uh, uh, confessions going on, the chaplet, all kinds of prayers. Excuse me, of course, Mass will have uh, happened early in the day. And you want to get there um, without going too deep. It'll be talked about uh, Sunday. But essentially, uh, Pope St. John Paul II, as he has uh, canonized Faustina, Essentially, if you follow the prescripts of the devotion, it's a second baptism. It's not only a wiping away of sin, but a remission of all temporal uh, punishment here. That is an amazing promise. In Monopoly, they call it get out of jail free. Yep, yep. But you got to do a few things. I mean, it's not just... Yeah, you do. you got to go to confession. Now, to be clear, 
because I will get calls again this year. All parishes will have Divine Mercy Sunday Masses. Yes, it's now part of the lectionary. Every Mass, no matter where people go, will be... The second Sunday of Easter is Divine Mercy Sunday. What I do not know is what all parishes are doing with respect to the chaplet, with respect to offering confessions that Mm -hmm. day, and the other prescripts of that. So, pastors, we're on the same page. We're wearing the same jersey. Yes, we are. I just don't know exactly what uh, each parish is doing. Sometimes they'll have an image of the um, Divine Mercy, the Divine Mercy image up front somewhere. And I mm-hmm. think Column Kills does that. And Eucharistic Adoration, mm-hmm. Confession. Mm-hmm. The Chaplet. Uh, yeah. yeah, all of that good stuff. So. And if anyone's doing the Novena, that's awesome. It started on Good Friday. Right. So Are you? Yep. Yep. That's a, that's a good one. It is a good one. And it's so little. You know, when when you think about these things that are involved with either the Chapel of Divine or the um, Divine Mercy Sunday and the devotions, it's such a little thing to do for such a great reward. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you are a betting person, you're going to want to do this. Such little input, and the um, feet, the return is is incredible. We weren't made to be here anyway. That's right. Let's, uh, Heaven let's is our that. true home. Heaven's home. We, uh, <clears throat> excuse me here, I'm, I'm froggy. Mm-hmm. We uh, left off with the uh, Synod survey here in Archdiocese of Dubuque before the break, and you uh, had some good points we wanted to go deeper on. We did, um, and there. And uh, just going back to the Archbishop's message, you know, one, he says that one of the markers of a vibrant parish is helping the poor. And I don't disagree. Let's just get that right up front. I don't disagree. Helping the poor. Helping the poor is a corporal work of mercy. You remember those works of mercy? Corporal and spiritual? Yeah. So uh, Feed the poor, clothe the naked. That's right. Shelter the homeless. Yep. Visit the imprisoned, visit the sick, bury Bury, the dead. Bury the dead. So my, my thought was, okay, helping the poor... Can what if a parish says, well, we don't have a soup kitchen, so we're not feeding the hungry or giving drink to the thirsty, but we've got an awesome jail and prison ministry going on, which visiting the imprisoned is a corporal work of mercy. I just saw in um, some parish somewhere was putting together a, um, what did they call it? I'll say a meal train, and I may have it wrong. That's right. Uh, but let's call it a meal train for uh, someone who's sick mm-hmm. in the parish. Mm-hmm. Someone who's just had a baby, somebody mm-hmm. who's whatever. You yep. know, so we're going to load them up and head them out. Exactly. So when he says that helping the poor is one of the markers for a vibrant parish, I hope that there's some wiggle room in there so that it, it just is one of the corporal works of mercy at least going on, which I, I get. I don't right. disagree with. The other thing he says that um, there are three essential activities, helping the poor, learning and teaching the gospel, which is one of the spiritual works of mercy, right? It's, it sounds a little harsh to our ears because it falls under the spiritual work of mercy of instructing the ignorant. That sounds a little harsh to modern ears, but that is what... I'm um, okay with it. Okay. 
Learning and teaching the gospel is instructing the Well, it's the admonishing the sinner, instructing the uh, ignorant, and counseling the doubtful that I think are three of the, is it six or seven? There's seven, and you got the first three. Then to comfort the sorrowful, to bear wrongs patiently, to forgive all injuries. Right. You know, we, uh, we've been talking a little bit lately about healing prayer and whatnot, and forgiving the injuries, that's huge. And then the seventh is to pray for the living and the dead. So I think kind of what he's talking about is that these three essential activities need to include corporal works of mercy, spiritual works of mercy, which I don't disagree on. Well, I think there needs to be a balance. If you do the uh, corporal works of mercy, corporal for the Latin meaning body, mm-hmm. the corpus, uh, and, and you do that at the expense of or the neglect of the spiritual works of mercy, mm-hmm. we, we deny um, the creation itself. We are both body and soul. That's correct. We are both body and soul. However, is in those two things, body and soul, does one have primacy? Well, if I got to pick one or the other, give me the soul. And why do you pick the soul? Because that that is uh, immortal. Mm-hmm. But so is the body. Well, true, but uh, I got to get the soul past the, f- the finish line. Not that you can uh, you can achieve your salvation, but you certainly can uh, uh, make an attempt at meriting your right. salvation. Right. St. Paul here. says, "Work it out in fear Work. and trembling. Work right. out our salvation in fear and trembling." So um, those works of mercy, and you're right, Tom, it is the soul that is way more important than the body. Um, So, you know, I think it's just as important to talk about those uh, spiritual works of mercy, like counseling the doubtful. You know, we just heard last week, week before, um, the German bishops conference saying it's okay to doubt. Boy, you're going to take me into that rabbit hole again, aren't you? Well, counseling the doubtful is a spiritual work of mercy. Did you see some of the latest in since last chatter? No. What do you got? Ah, Dateline. What is this? Why do I print these out and the dates don't come on here? Anyway, National Catholic Register update. Prelates from South America and Asia signed the letter of fraternal correction to German bishops. This sounds like a spiritual work. Sure does. Of mercy. Now six continents are represented an important step in the effort to build international consensus. Uh, and so in case anybody or somebody wasn't following the story, what did the German bishops say, and what are these other fellow bishops responding? Well, that went back saying? to the... Uh, several articles we had from mm-hmm. the uh, Catholic... Uh, Catholic, a new Catholic view on homosexuality came mm-hmm. out with with uh, Munich's Cardinal Reinhard Marx mm-hmm. giving his blessing to same-sex couples mm-hmm. uh, needing to well he's, he's basically saying that the the uh, tradition and teaching of the church needs to be reworked yeah he said it's not set in stone he says it's okay to doubt these things aren't set in stone so he's calling for the blessing of same-sex unions, which is, we know what God thinks about that. Um, but I think they were also talking about communion for non-Catholics, communion for those who have been divorced and civilly remarried. Lots of things that are not the teaching of the church. 
Yeah, they're not teaching. They're not magisterial. They're not tradition. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there was some question of, is anybody going to say anything? Well, so here's the update on that uh, that we began. Uh, Thirteen additional bishops have signed the letter since it was released a few days ago. And again, this is, put it in the context of the last 10 days here. The total then is, as of this printing, 87. If you're doing the math, that's an increase of 18%. I don't know that um, Auxiliary Bishop uh, Gerard Battersby of Detroit has signed the letter. There's one here in uh, one American. In America. Okay. Um, well, I think Strickland down in Tyler, Texas, I think he tweeted I something about um, Cardinal Marx should resign over what he's doing. Right. But I haven't heard of any other American bishops. Thomas Pro Paprocki. Oh, Paprocki. Of uh, Springfield, uh, serving as the media spokesman for the bishops who organized and are promoting the letter, told the Register Thursday that the letter's increased geographical representation demonstrates that there's collegiality that exists worldwide with the bishops. Hmm. Um, Isn't he the holy goalie? I think he was a hockey player. Yeah. The, I think he's the holy goalie. How you remember that stuff? I don't know, I just know. weird stuff that I remember. Um but that's encouraging that people are saying up because when when they correct their brother bishop like that, it's a fraternal correction, right? A frat fraternity. It's a brother, but it's a charitable thing to do. If why someone charity? is wrong, why, why is it charity? You know, if someone is heading down the wrong path, if someone is heading toward an open manhole cover that's going to drop them into the sewer fifty feet below, it's charitable to say, "Look out." Right. You're going down a bad path. You're going to fall. That's charity. It's not charity to let them just fall. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, more more on this topic out of the Catholic Register. Top Vatican Cardinal says, Mounting concerns over Germany's synodal path are justified. Swiss Cardinal and President of the Pontifical Council on Christian Unity spoke with the EWTN Vatican Bureau Chief Andreas... Thornhauser, and the uh, cardinal is Kurt Koch, president of the Pontifical Council for Christian Unity, and um, he he has confirmed Pope Francis's apprehension about Germany's synodal path. So, so we'll have to see where this goes. I mean, you have to. We almost have to pray that the German. Bishops and cardinals are humble enough to accept this fraternal correction mm-hmm. and not persist in pride. You know, I get that, and it's nice to turn the, the boat around, the ship around, but doesn't it bother you? It certainly bothers me that we're even having the discussion. How can we, if you're a cardinal, you're... You're a prince of the church. Mm-hmm. You're you're a, a, a diplomat of the Vatican. Mm-hmm. You are holding not necessarily all the keys, but a key to the successor of the apostles. Well, you're certainly part of the hierarchy and the upper echelon of the hierarchy. And your your job one is to be a defender of the faith. Yeah. 
Yeah. Why are we talking about this? And this is where we find ourselves. So it'll be interesting to see where they go. I don't know what it is about Germany. You know, that's where Martin Luther was from. What is it about Germany? Well, I think this is a question of faith, and I'm not. I'm not drawing judgments. I'm certainly not uh, doing condemnation. But we just came out of Holy Week, mm-hmm. and um, you know there was all that much discussion about um, our good friend Judas. Mm-hmm. One priest in his homily over the weekend here on FM 98.3 KCRD, I guess when I say the weekend, I mean the week-long Holy Week, said that um, maybe it was one of Sheen's uh, revelations that uh, at the Last Supper that John sat at one side of Christ and that uh, Judas sat on the other side of him here. And of course, mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in the scripture, it says the one who has uh, dipped his hand in the dish here. So Judas had to be pretty close mm-hmm. to, to Christ. But Sheen, Sheen claims not only uh, at the Last Supper, but in the sixth chapter of John, that uh, Judas never bought into the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. He didn't buy into the, this is my body, this is the real presence. And by their own admission, the German bishops, cardinals, are wanting to give the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ to people who don't believe, believe in that. When a priest loses his supernatural faith in the supreme sacrament above all the other six sacraments bad things happen bad things happen and and bad things happen to those that receive the eucharist unworthily well, paul says that in about is it that. corinthians or it is and i don't know that it's in the lectionary readings that we hear during um the Con- course of the year but you know he says whoever eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks condemnation on himself brings condemnation on so why himself. would you want to do that to somebody why would, if you're the priest or the bishop, why would you want to give the well, most that's my precious whole point. gift? That's, that's my whole point, is once you lose that mm-hmm. faith, you become blind. Mm-hmm. That's true. So I'm going to make that more clear because some people are going to say, I think I heard that guy on the radio say that. No, I'm, I'm clearly stating when you lose faith in the most blessed sacrament, the body, blood, soul, and divinity, that this is the real presence of Christ, that it is transubstantiated, whether you are a mom or a dad, or you are a deacon, priest, or cardinal, archbishop, when you lose that, you have become blind. Mm. Yeah. You are, you, you are in a spiritual cataract. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it. You're right. And when you're blind, you can't find your way. So I've sawed that limb off here. (laughs) Well, we'll just see where it goes. It's interesting to see where it goes. I'm glad that a lot of people, a lot of bishops have spoken up. Yes, it would be interesting to see who else. All done in charity, right? No one's being ugly about it. Well, it's it's not to be ugly about, but it is... When you come out of the Vatican Council and you say the Eucharist is the source and the summit of the life for Roman Catholics, 
then act like it. Act like it, right? Don't. I'm I'm in agreement with you here, Tom. I'm just seeing the top paper there on your desk. Speaking of Germany, well, yeah. when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict the Sixteenth here on the chatter. We're uh, we're out of time in segment number two here, Colleen. We'll be right back on FM ninety eight point three KCRD. This is the chatter. Colleen, we're back. This is chatter number 39 on Easter Monday in the uh, year of our Lord, 2022 here. So we're back. We were going to talk about, uh, oh, birthday boy. That's right. You had our favorite German prelate. Proving not Cardinal. all cardinals, German priests or whatever are uh, off the rails here. Five things to know about Pope Emeritus Benedict the Sixteenth. His 95. Can you believe that? It's pretty old. Last time Benedict's birthday fell on Holy Saturday was 1960, so uh, two days ago he had it. Benedict was born April, Saturday, Holy Saturday, April 16th, 1927 in Marktel am in Bavaria. He was born on Holy Saturday. Huh? He was born on... And he turned 95 on Holy Saturday. So that's, uh, that's one of the five uh, things you need to know about Benedict. He was born on, on Holy Saturday. Almost like predicting that the faith would impact his life. So that happens four times in his life. He's had a hmm. birthday on, on Holy Saturday. Uh, his birthday's also been on um, three Good Fridays. Hmm. And four Easter Sunday hmm. birthdays. He's the uh, second fact. He's the longest living person to have been a pope. Someone lived longer than ninety-five. No, he is. He is the longest. Oh, he's the longest. The I, longest. Sorry, I thought you said second longest person to. Uh, did I say second? Yeah. Uh, on the uh, September fourth of twenty twenty, Benedict became the longest living person to be. He's Past, you'll know this guy, Pope Leo the Thirteenth. I love him. Died at ninety-three years old, one hundred forty days in nineteen zero three. And Leo holds the title for the oldest reigning pope. Benedict made history in another way when he resigned in two thousand thirteen. Mm, he sure did. First pope to do in six hundred years. Mm. Uh. Odd fact number three, Benedict XVI wanted to be called Father Benedict in retirement. Really? I in never the, heard that. In uh, the interview with a German journalist in 14, Pope Emeritus revealed that he wanted to go back to the title of Father Benedict. So what prevented him? Uh, it says he was too weak at that point to enforce it. Interesting, because, you know, I was just thinking recently that Pope Emeritus is a made-up title. Right? I mean, no one's ever been Pope Emeritus before. One in a row. So if he says, I'm not the Pope, Francis is the Pope, why would he put Pope in the name that he makes up for himself? Got me. Just a, just a question. But you're saying that he wanted to be called Father Benedict, which wasn't even his baptismal name. That's his. According to an name. unnamed journal journalist from Germany in 2014, that is correct. Now that would be weird, mm -hmm. calling him Father Benedict. 
Yeah. Right? I mean, it's kind of like negating the fact that he was a, a bishop and then a cardinal. No, I mean, he's just he's just dropping the holy father. He's he's Father Benedict. Oh, you oh you're saying <laughs> it that he's just dropping the holy. He's not holy father. He's just father. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. That is. Odd uh, item number four: Pope Emeritus prefers orange soda to German beer. No way. So it says. Is he really German? Despite enjoying German beer on his 90th birthday in 2017, those who know Benedict personally says he's a big fan of orange soda. Orange soda. You know who I think of when I hear orange soda? Mm. Radar. Yeah. Didn't, oh, no, that was Grape Knee High. Grape Knee High. But Great there was knee-high. an orange Knee High, wasn't yeah, there? there? There was, I think. He says, uh, and I think I've had this, Fanta? Yes, Orange Fanta. Fanta. Mm-hmm. Evidently, it's an Italian brand. That's made it way. I've had it somewhere here. In so we, we should send him a case of orange Fanta for, as a belated birthday gift. Don't think it's going to make it through customs. No? We can have it here. We'll have it here. We could do an orange Fanta KCRD party with all the listeners to uh, toast that Benedict. Be and we're only three days late. Yeah. Here's, here's, here's something that just gets me. Benedict the Sixteenth praised the Rosary daily. Good for him. After retiring, B sixteen would pray the daily Rosary, walking around the gardens surrounding his home, the Mater Ecclesiae Monastery. Walking's become difficult. He would receive a lift now in the golf cart, pray the Rosary while he rests on a bench in the Vatican Gardens, and. Uh, also greeted people from the same orange cushion bench here. So that's that's our good man, a good German bishop, cardinal. You know, it's kind of amazing we've had him around this long. When he resigned in 2013, he uh, one of the things that he said was, well, I'm, I'm too old to do all the traveling. It was one of the things he said. That was nine years ago. Hmm. I think people were thinking, oh, he's probably only got another year or so to live. Well, and now people are questioning the good health of uh, our Pope Francis. They are. I heard at Stations of the Cross, he didn't look too good. I didn't I, see it. Did you see it? Uh, I listened. I listened to, uh, we had some great uh, program. Speaking of listening, I want to get a shout out to the engineering team here at KCRD, Colleen. They're and the, the best. Uh, the upgrades they've made to the signal here should be getting out into the, uh, stronger into the hinterlands. We have listeners in the hinters. We have hinters? Mm-hmm. Hinter listeners? Yeah. What else you got? I just have about, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the jab. Oh. You've got on top of your stack there. On on top of your stack of papers, and I thought that we were headed to a paperless society. I, I thought I was told that in the 80s. Computers, yeah. paperless society. We've got, we're drowning in paper here. I yeah, and to make matters worse, when I print something out for the shows, I have it right in front of me and I can't find it. How long did I look for this one? Oh, Six wow. minutes. Uh, Dateline April sixth, uh, out of the Epic Times, which is a uh, great organization. Praise and prick. Pennsylvania pays churches to convince members to get vaccinated. Believe it or don't. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf and his administration wants church leaders to bring vaccination events into churches. So the state will give money to the church 
if they vaccinate people there or if they even contact what's further in the story it says ten dollars for each person to person outreach that includes phone calls text messages social media messages door knocking campaigns so they're getting ten dollars a person to send a text message correct and the uh, church or other nonprofit gets ten more dollars for each person who converts, meaning they—that's the wrong thing to say in a church, isn't it? <laughs> who gets the shot? So that could be twenty dollars per, per person, person that gets the jab. Mm-hmm. Ten dollars for contacting them, and another ten for when they get when they roll up their sleeve. The funding comes from the Centers for Disease Control with $4 million allocated to nonprofit organizations, $630,000 for faith-based organizations. So the CDC, well, that's a nationwide, and the story you're reading is Pennsylvania. Correct. So maybe the CDC is trying it in a couple states as a pilot program, or uh, what do you think? It doesn't say... Um... Of course, you'd have to have a governor who was, you know, amiable to it, right? It's at least in Pennsylvania, and this was dated um, the 8th. You know, the story that I had about about the jab, and it's it's disconcerting that churches would try to convince members to get the jab because Pfizer, they released on April 1st, not as an April Fool's joke, by the way, but on April 1st, it is, <laughs> yeah, the joke's on us. Joke's on us. Um, the FDA released 11,000 Pfizer documents. Wow. 11,000. So we're going to go through them page by page. Yeah. Just, just kidding. I just have a couple highlights. Okay. Go One of the it. highlights is um, they have found, and these were again in the Pfizer documents. This is not from a conspiracy channel. These were. These are the documents that they wanted to wait 65 years to release. Correct. Early this year, January and February, they said that we're going to release these documents in 65 years, which would have made it 2080. Correct. So now they've been dumping documents. So a couple weeks ago, 11,000 Pfizer documents were dumped. Um, and ju- these are just a couple things that were in those documents. They show that the side effects of the COVID injections are more severe in those under 55. Mm -hmm. And it increases with additional doses. So if you only got one jab, you're not as much at risk than if you got three jabs or four jabs. Are they talking about side effects? They they are. in the bullet points that I have here, it says, for example, one side effect, injections produce a myocarditis rate of 10 in every 100,000 people, which normally is only two in every 100,000 people. And it affects young males significantly more than other populations. And Pfizer does not rule out that the injections make a later COVID illness more severe. Um, but I thought one of the one of the most upsetting points that was included was that the effects of the jab on sperm, 
the unborn baby and nursing children are unknown. Wow. How many times are we told it's safe, it's safe, it's safe, and here they're admitting Pfizer. The manufacturer is admitting the effects are unknown. And then the final bullet point here, it says uh, phase three clinical trials, which are designed to uncover frequent or severe side effects before a vaccine is approved, will be completed hmm. for COVID injections in February 2024. Well, good. That's two years away. Yeah. Anyway, if anyone's bored, they can go look up the 11,000 documents that Pfizer dumped. Um, but, you know, if, if this is even half the truth, heads should roll because they've just committed a huge experiment on the world's population. Reminiscent of uh, Nazi Germany, the Tuskegee Airmen, the um, on and on and on. On and on and on. But if that is even half true, honestly, heads should roll. Goodness, 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 goodness. What else you got? You got any other happy news? Well... I want to give a, a, a teaser here. Well, let, let's just do this here. We'll close out speaking to the popes and, and what was going on here. Uh, this, this is from late uh, March. I'll just read the headline and a bit of it from the Catholic News Services. Pope says elderly must be prophets, warning of the world's self-destruction. And you could read that in the Catholic News Service dateline March 24th with uh, Juno Aroko Estevez, who is the author of it, and, and the content is, is good, but the headline, Colleen, listen to the Pope calling elderly, and we were talking about the role of Catholics and the viability of parishes and what bishops and archbishops are talking about here, what it means to be Catholic, and um, what, what uh, the Pope says a role, I'll say it's stronger, a responsibility. Mm. Catholics have a responsibility to do that. Mm-hmm. We're working on uh, some upcoming uh, bellowing ox issues here, and as we sit right now, we're working on the May-June issue. It's ready to go to print, and uh, hopefully it's out early in May. Mm-hmm. One of the things we're working on is uh, what you and I have been talking about, what it means to be holy and sanctified in our life and, and prayers and the frequency of confessions. And, and um, so as we're doing some research on here, I, w- I went back to um, that nagging question you and I have had, that what would compel God to send his blessed mother to all of the Marian apparitions, specifically to Fatima, but, mm-hmm. but all of them, what what are the sins? Because when I think back to dad and granddad and mm-hmm. great-great-grandma, mm-hmm. you have this rather peaceful, romantic era, yet these are the decades when the Blessed Mother was sent to uh, Fatima, to oh, Lourdes, to Akita. Right before the Roaring Twenties. Mm-hmm. It was called Roaring for a reason. And that was the 20th century, not counting the uh, 18th and the 19th century. Oh, my goodness. When she ca- appeared at La Salette in 1850, roughly, 1850, she, she couldn't stop sobbing. You remember what she was upset about in 1850 that kept her sobbing for the whole apparition? Um, which one? La Salette? La Salette. Uh, I want to say the... Uh, idolatry? No? 
um, well, working on Sunday. Yes. Working on Sunday and taking the name of the Lord in vain. Yeah, idolatry, blasphemy, and profanation of holy days. Can you imagine what it was like? I mean, I can't imagine it was any worse than it is now, Mm -hmm. those things. Except for Chick-fil-A. And and, um, Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby. And Fairway. Fairway, yeah. Love those guys. Me too. Anyway... Doing some research, Colleen, and I found a, uh, and we're, we're going to integrate this in here. Uh, I don't know how much we'll get in the newsletter. We might have to split it up here. But the headline here, what is really angering our blessed Lord? And, you know, I think some people think this is Mary acting on her own in these mm. aberrations. Mm. Why, we don't have to listen to Mary. No, she, she's, she's the messenger, the tip of the spear of her son. Mm-hmm. Anyway, here's the headline. Abortion, foreplay, homosexuality, kisses, aliens, UFOs, Islam, Ouija boards, antipopes, contraception, the Illuminati, the theory of evolution... Here's a here's a, uh, a quote from uh, Our Lady of Fatima. We'll read this, and it'll take us close to the break. The sins of the world are too great. This is Our Lady speaking at Fatima. In 1917. Correct. I don't know which of the apparitions it is here. I haven't footnoted that. The sins of the world are too great. The sins which lead most souls to hell are sins of the flesh. Certain fashions are going to be introduced which will offend our Lord very much. Those who serve God should not follow these fashions. This goes back to what you and I have been talking about. How do we stand apart in the Catholic culture? The church has no fashions. She says the church has no fashions. Our Lord is always the same. Many marriages are not good. They do not please our Lord and are not of God. And that was in 1917. Think about that. The Roaring Twenties aren't even here. Our Lord and our God, they're they're not of our Lord and not of God. O men must do penance. If they amend their lives, our Lord will still pardon the world. But if they do not, the chastisement will come. I'm going to read that again because this is going to be the title of the of the uh, bellowing, ox. bellowing ox. The title of the article in the bellowing ox is going to be the curse of Fatima. Mm. I'm going to read it again, folks. If they do not amend their lives, the Lord will still. If if they do amend their lives, the Lord will still pardon it. But if they do not, the chastisement will come. There's the curse. If you don't change your life. The chastisement will come. Priests should occupy themselves only with the affairs of the church. They must be pure, very pure. Mother Gohito asked her, Do you know what it means to be pure? She says, Yes, yes, I know to be pure in the body means to be chaste, to be pure in the mind means not to commit sins, not to look at what one should not see. 
not to steal or lie, and to always speak the truth, even if it is too hard to do so. You know, when you said uh, that churchmen should concern themselves with things of the church. Only. I couldn't help but think of climate change and all those worldly things, immigration. And I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't be careful with those things, but for the focus of the church to be those Idolatry, things is... blasphemy, and the profanation of holy days and holy things. We've used up our time, Colleen. Oh, my. It goes fast. Shall we? We shall. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be. To the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was, was in the, the beginning, beginning, is now, now and, and ever shall be. be. World, World without, without end. end. Amen. You're listening to the Potter... <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. You're listening to the Chatter Podcast on FM 98.3 KCRD. See you all next week. We love you. <laughs>